giant robot smashing into other giant robots. This is the Giant Robots Smashing Into Other Giant Robots podcast, where we explore the design, development, and business of great products. I'm your host, Victoria Guido, and with me today is Evan Hammer, OKR and personal goals coach. Evan, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Wonderful. Me too. And I wanted to ask you first, before we dive into business, tell me a personal goal that you've achieved recently that you're most proud of. I guess a couple months ago, I did a hundred mile loop of uh, Mount Rainier. So it was a 10 day backpacking trip. My younger brother, I went with him and it's kind of thing he does more regularly. Yeah, it was something I was kind of excited to do, but really unsure of and worked super hard between the gear and the training and just like the mindset. But it was, it was also just awesome being out in the woods for 10 days. I also love being out in the woods for long periods of time. I guess like how long did your brother plan this trip for and how long were you involved before you decided to go? You know, it was something he was planning to do since the spring, won a lottery to be able to do it. And I was going back and forth for a few months. And I think it was just in maybe in the end of June where I was like, okay, I'm doing this. I need to put together a gear list, figure out a training plan. I live in Fort Greene in Brooklyn. And it was a lot of like waking up early and going up and down the steps in Fort Greene Park, which is like, you know, six, 10 flights of steps, something like that outdoors (laughs) um, with a heavy backpack on for two to three hours, like on weekends. Wow. Yeah. It was one of those things I was like, you know, you, you don't know when you do something like this how it's going to go until you're there doing it, how your body's going to respond. So it was a little bit of like trying to train as much as possible, but also being aware that I just have to deal with whatever happened on the trip. I love that. At first, it sounds so like fun. Like, oh, do you want to go on this trip with me? And you're like, yeah, okay. And then you look at the training plan and it's like, well, wake up at 6 a.m. every day and walk up and down 10 flights of stairs (laughs) with a heavy backpack on, you know, like, oh, okay. (laughs) A lot of prep work to have this trip. (laughs) It's fun in that you're doing something amazing and it's beautiful. And it was just one of the more beautiful places I've ever been. It was really interesting and meaningful to me to kind of be detached from everything I normally do and just focused on being in the woods and hiking these mountains. But yeah, you don't know how it's going to go. So it's like you're putting yourself in an extreme physical situation. I think that's anxiety inducing and it feels good and is healthy and protective to train for it. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I I totally relate to that. I'm a rock climber and hiker myself. And sometimes I spend all this time, you know, gym memberships, climbing in the gym, running up and down hills. And then I get all the way out to rock and I'm about to start my climb. And I'm like, why am I doing this? (laughs) This is a lot of work to get to this point, but then it's all fun and it's super worth it. And I always feel restored whenever I come back from being a long time in nature. It's really great. I think maybe to get towards like a metrics conversation that we talk about a lot in climbing is the type of fun something is. So there's three types of fun levels. Have you heard this framework before, Evan? I have not. Okay. So there's three levels of fun. Level one fun is like you're having fun while you're doing it. We're like laughing, enjoying recording a podcast together. Like, oh my God, it's so much fun. Super easy, not stressful. Maybe it's a little stressful for you. I don't know. Um, it's a little stressful for me. Uh, level two fun is it's a little difficult while you're doing it, but you're still looking back on it and having fun, but you're never really in any kind of intense danger, right? Like you're back, you're going on a backpacking trip. It's relatively within your health expectations and the trail is walkable. You're not like going to fumble and fall down a cliff. Um, it's level two fun. So you're, you're enjoying, mostly enjoying it. Like it's kind of difficult and there's some effort involved, but it's still fun. Level three fun is when it's very dangerous and you're really scared the whole time. <laughs> and like you maybe like could have died, but 
looking back on it, it's fun. So how would you rate your Mount Rainier trip? It's funny because we, we actually, we didn't come up with the levels, but we spoke about how when you're hiking, often in your head, you're just trying to figure out how much longer you have to hike as if the whole point was to not be hiking. And then you finish hiking for the day and you're like, oh, that was so great. I'm so looking forward to waking up tomorrow and hiking some more. Yeah, exactly. uh, so I feel like that, that fits the level two fun pretty explicitly. That's great. Yeah, it's a very, you know, I found it to be pretty useful. And, you know, as I get older, I tend to try to avoid level three fun more often. <laughs> like, I don't really need right. to be frightened. <laughs> I have enough stress in my life. I don't need to also endanger myself too aggressively. But, you know, everyone has their own risk level as well, right? Like, someone else might think the type of climbing and hiking that I do is level three fun. So but for me, it's more and like, there's other things that like skateboarding and riding a bike where for me is level three. I'm scared. And <laughs> right. I think you also frame level three as like sort of physical safety. But you know, people have different risk tolerances and classifications across the board. So like for me, I, I try to stay away from things that I would consider physically dangerous. But I'm very comfortable like taking financial or social risk where I know other people have an inverted kind of spectrum where like social risk is like, <laughs> you know, as a terror to them when physical risk doesn't seem that, that scary to them, you know, so. That's so interesting. And especially for me, I, I do a lot of networking and I'm of course been really active in San Diego startup week this week. We're recording this in October. So for some people going to an event where there's going to be hundreds of people, you maybe have met some of them before, but you really don't have a buddy that you are coming to this event with. You're on your own. You're going to have to walk up to people, start conversations, figure out who's who and like find your people. Uh, that's terrifying for a lot of people. And they're like, absolutely not. <laughs> well, it's interesting how like level one and level three can be inverted. I went to a conference last fall by myself and I actually had some voice issues. So I couldn't talk for a little bit before this. So it was like, a, or even that well during it, you know, it was kind of, environment I think a lot of people might be feeling like, oh, that's level three social experience. And I just remember how much fun I had there. Like for me, it was totally a level one thing. But you know, there's definitely moments on this hike where I was like, oh, this is level three. This, this feels physically scary, even though most of the time it wasn't. Yeah, no, I think it's helpful. So maybe that helps us segue a little bit into telling me more about what you do and, and how you came to do what you do. What's your background? What do I do? I give you like a list of things that I do. I will say I help people focus and maybe communicate better. You know, the, the list is like, I am an OKR coach, right? That's objectives and key results, coaching business leaders on how to set goals and get everybody aligned towards the same goals. I do personal goals coaching, and that's like helping individual people set goals that are meaningful to them and live more intentionally. I'm a tech service mentor where I mentor companies. And I also do like a fractional head of product role. So it's a little over the place. I mean, it's something always, obviously a lot of that is like business coaching, um, but really focused around focus and how you can use goal setting to accelerate growth for a business or organization or for yourself personally. How did it get started? What led you to be the coach that you are today? Yeah. You know, I get asked this question <laughs> and I feel like there's a story about how I kind of tested goal setting. I was a, I was a founder. I went through Techstars in like 2013. I was running the company. So I had to like mess around with goal setting and then I ended up being at Code Academy and Vimeo. They were doing OKRs and I, there were certain things I liked and certain things I didn't. And there's like this progression. But I think the truth is that I just really like systems and 
organizing things. And I think I've always been like that. And OKRs are a way of taking something that's really messy, which is like a group of people running together in some direction and saying, oh, well, what if we come up with like some agreed plan here and some rules and some guidance and we can split this out between what like the company and the organization is doing versus what individual people are doing or what the department's doing. I think I just find that process comforting. It's just like gleeful for me to be working with people on on how they're going to focus and organize themselves. And then also how they're going to communicate that focus to each other, which I think is like a key part of people staying on the same page. I love that. And I really want to dig into some examples of OKRs and maybe even get some free OKR coaching for myself on this episode. But, you know, but with your background, I wanted to start with looking at the founder experience versus being someone in a larger organization. How do you bring in that context of where you are in your journey into how you think about setting goals for an individual? I think it's a hard question for me because my viewpoint on how goal setting and strategy and achievement and organizations has changed over this whole time, right? So I was a founder then at these larger organizations. I think I've tried to synthesize some like through line rather than difference between them. So let me start there. I think when you look at a founder or founding team or a larger organization, the key thing to figure out is where you're going and coming up with really clear goals. And then depending on the size of the organization, there's different tactics you can use, right? So if you're a founder, it might be just sitting down with your co-founders once a week, having a clear North Star metric and having a clear goal, and then everybody's running and that works. Zoom to a hundred person company, which is like, I probably focus on like 20 to hundred person companies. And now you have a lot of confusion between departments because you have people who are working on very different parts of the business. So I think OKRs at that point are really great because it is this like, and we will talk more about OKRs, but it's this cascading goal setting technique where you have company goals that everybody understands and agrees to. And then each department is carving out how they're going to support that, which is like less necessary for a small company. But I still think the key thing is to know what you want what your biggest problem is in getting there and what your approach is going to be in overcoming that problem, which is, you know, is just, is like, I guess, strategy 101. I like that. And it's funny. It makes me think of a tarot card layout. That's a situation, outcome and approach. Anyways, wanted to get like down to the basics. I think we said OKRs earlier, but what is an OKR? If you can define that. Yeah. So objectives and key results. An objective is any goal you have. So that can be launch a feature, revamp your sales process, or achieve some sort of milestone or some capability, right? So often that's like build a new department or come up not just with a specific feature, but a new offering, right? Like launch a whole product line. Anything that's important to you can be a goal. It should be clear and inspiring. And that's the objective piece. Key results answer the question, how will you know if you're successful in reaching that goal? That might be if you're building a new department, a certain number of hires, if you're launching a feature or want to have a new offering, that might be some KPI for the product team, like you know onboarding rates or retention rates. Yeah. And let's maybe even go into a real example. Uh, myself, managing director here at ThoughtBot, people who aren't familiar with ThoughtBot, I'm sure everyone listening has... has <laughs> familiarity with what we do as a product and business consultancy. And our team at Mission Control, the goal was to 
innovate on our approach to how we were deploying and managing software. So over 20 years, the trends and modernization of infrastructure was something we wanted to be a part of, and we wanted to enable and accelerate not just our own development teams, but our clients' teams in deploying software securely and efficiently and meeting everything that we needed to. Like it's, it's an incredibly complex environment and there's lots of choices to make. So that's like the big vision of what we're trying to do at ThoughtBot. It's a new service. It's touching not our, only our internal processes, but also like the growth of our business overall. So what I've done as a managing director, I talk with my team. I work with the CTO of ThoughtBot, Joe Ferris. He's my acting director <laughs> on identifying what is our overall approaches, what's our strategy. So one of the things we do at ThoughtBot, one of our strategies is to put content out there. So we want to build stuff that works for us and we want to share and talk about it. And we believe that by putting good stuff out there, good stuff will come back to us. <laughs> so really just increasing the amount of blog posts, increasing the amount of open source contributions, the number of people we talk to and hear about what their problems are. Um, we think that that was an, it would be an indicator for us of whether or not we're being successful in growing this business. So that's just like one small strategy, but I've got five other ones if you want to talk about them. But. Yeah. I mean, you highlighted a large goal that you have and then some of the like sub-objectives, right, in reaching that goal. And you could imagine key results being metrics along number of blog posts, audience size, number of readers, engagement. I mean, all those have different values depending on what your goals are. Exactly right. Like there's the overall leading indicators we have of like whether or not we're successful as a business, which is like revenue and like margins of profit, um, which really aren't going to change. And as a company, we don't change our policies or, or things that often to where those costs are ultimately going to change. It's all about like, are we bringing in new business? Are we retaining the clients we have? And are we able to sustain, you know, work that centers around this problem area? So that kind of like makes our, our goal tracking like the numbers month to month, somewhat easy, or those individual strategies and how they all line up to meet that is something I think I'm curious to hear about how you facilitate those discussions with teams. How would you like begin an engagement with a team? Well, you're like, okay, you have a company like Thought <laughs> Well, How are you going to coach us to get better at our goals? Well, one thing I, I do is I pull apart KPIs, key performance indicators from OKRs, which you actually imply. KPIs are metrics you use to judge the health of your business when OKRs are the goals that are going to transform your business. They fit well together. But you know, for a founding team, right, they're still trying to figure out, well, how do we actually measure if this is going well? What does that mean? And I have a whole uh, technique for that. But for a larger company, right, something like ThoughtBot, you probably have pretty clear KPIs for the business and for each department. And you can look each month to make sure those are in a healthy band or each week. And then when you go to set goals, if one of the things you can say is, hey, what's not working well? Where are the KPIs not where they should be? Um, there's other ways of coming up with good goals, but I do think that's one of the starting points for goal setting. Another one, and I'm curious if y'all have this here, is like a sense of what's holding back your growth. So if you have a clear goal of growing your business you know, year over year, usually people in different departments have a sense of what challenges they're facing in executing towards that, those growth goals. And fundamentally, there's usually some sort of competitive or market conditions or customer conditions that are concerning to you as a business in terms of where you're currently at. So do you all have that type of, I guess, angle on ThoughtBot's growth at all? 
you know, for me, as my first year as managing director and experiencing how ThoughtBot does planning, I appreciated our approach this year was to ask each managing director, more like a retro style, like, what should we do more of? What do we like doing? What didn't really work? And what should we do less of? And what other things do we want to start doing? So it's kind of similar to start, stop, continue. But, you know, it just really reflecting on like, what's working? What should we do more of? What doesn't work? And we should just stop (laughs) or change or figure out how to improve. And then what should we start doing? And what, what kind of new behaviors do we need to practice and learn to build better systems? Which I think when you talk about what's holding people back, I think it's difficult to understand in a complex organization of 100 people, how all these departments work together, and how they contribute and support teams. So I'm curious from your experience, and you like to come in and organize and get focused. So if you have that level of complexity in an organization, uh, how do you start to get people organized and understanding how they all work together and what's working and what's not? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I might punt that to the second half of my answer here and answer an earlier question here as to kind of how we get started. Because I think that's that actually comes up as like the second piece. I think the first piece is like when I start with an organization, I usually sit down with the CEO, maybe there's a founding team, maybe it's all leadership team. And I try to understand their vision for where the company's going and one, how clear and actionable it is. So it doesn't feel like, oh, I get exactly how they're going from point A to point B to point C, or is it a little bit murkier and trying to nail that down. And sometimes I do like a strategy workshop around that. But the next piece is understanding if they have a clear plan for the next quarter, next year. When I come into companies, usually I'm doing OKRs quarterly. So even if they don't have a clear strategy, we still need to set goals for the next quarter. I then have them just kind of draft goals with not that much guidance. You know, I might do some sort of training so everybody like understands what OKRs are. And then, you know, I, I do, this is a common thing, I think, in, like in my background's in product, is trying to understand the root cause of things. So usually there's some goal that I can ask. And usually there's a goal that's like um, something that seems very strategic, like a new offering or changing how the business is organized, or it's very growth revenue oriented. Those are like the two types of goals that people usually come up with. So there's a lot of just like asking why this is valuable and kind of going up the ladder, down the ladder, asking why it's valuable and understanding what their root motivation is for doing this. And then going the other direction saying, oh, if we did this, then what would happen? And trying to just understand how they're thinking of this goal and how it fits in a longer chain of events. And usually through that process, we shift the focus point. So it's rare that somebody comes up with like exactly the right goal. I think when they start understanding what would the effect be of that goal, sometimes one of those things is the actual goal. Or if there's a root cause, it doesn't always mean that we go to the root cause, right? If somebody wants like fix their onboarding, if that's really like their whole focus point, you know, and you say why, and they talk about helping a certain customer get more focused and then you may say, well, why? And they say, oh, well, we're, you know, we have this revenue model that involves helping them and we make money and why so we can grow our business at a certain clip. And that's the arc that they build. That doesn't mean we go to, oh, well, you're trying to make more money faster. That might not be really what the focus should be for the quarter. Um, so that's where we start just trying to like dial in with what the right angle is. That's both, I think you want to choose the thing that's the most fundamental to the business that still feels attainable and focusable, if that's a word. 
in the short term, right? That's like, oh, this is a good target for a quarter um, or a year if you're doing it on an annual basis. So that's like, that's like how I usually get started with folks, which, you know, depending on how much thought there's around strategy, like it goes in different ways. Sometimes if the company has a very like clear strategy, then everything I said works pretty smoothly and you get to a goal very quickly that you can kind of orient the company around. If the strategy is either not explicit or maybe the CEO has a different vision for it than you know CTO or the head of sales, then there's more negotiating between folks and getting on the same page. And I think that's a whole like can of worms that we can dive into, but that's like a, a, a different type of exploration. Yes. I love all of that. I have so many follow-up things I want to ask. Uh, just to play it back a little bit too, I really resonated with some of what you're saying around, it's kind of better to, to draft it, just write it. Like the act of planning is more valuable than the plan itself. Like get as close as you can, as fast as you can. <laughs> that makes sense. Like something that feels like good enough and like kind of go, go with it and like see how it goes, you know, like I think that's a mindset that can be difficult to implement in an organization, especially if there's been like past trauma with like not meeting your goals and how does that flow down to the organization? That's a, that's a hard thing. And it makes me think of like what you started with, like talking about getting to the root of what's happening. Like what are the motivations of individual people? Like what's happened in the past? Like trying to take an approach that's, I prefer blame aware to blameless. You can't get away from the tendency to blame people. So you just have to accept that that happens and kind of move on and, and like quickly go past it and just like really get to like, what are the facts? What does the data say about this organization? So anyways, I think that that, that was where I went to. I think uh, one thing I did, I started with a new company, I guess, two or three quarters ago around the OKR coaching. And, you know, I think there was this expectation we've been doing OKRs there's issues. We need you to come in and solve and fix everything. And the tone I tried to set was, hey, I'm not here to set great goals for you. You're going to set the best goals you can. And I'm here to help support that process and teach you a lot about goal setting. And we're going to do this every quarter. And after two or three quarters, things are going to start becoming a lot easier. People are going to communicate better. Everybody's going to be on the same page and it's going to feel like, oh, we're getting really good at goal setting. And then like, I tried to set that tone right when I started working with the CEO of like, the point here is to make your whole leadership team good at goal setting so that you have this skill as an organization rather than set just the right goals with the right language in the right way right now, right? We want to time box everything. So we're moving forward using this tool to make progress throughout the quarter, and then each quarter revisiting it and getting better. Giant robots smashing into other giant robots. Are you an entrepreneur or startup founder looking to gain confidence in the way forward for your idea? At ThoughtBot, we know you're tight on time and investment, which is why we've created targeted one-hour remote workshops to help you develop a concrete plan for your product's next steps. Over four interactive sessions, we work with you on research, product design sprint, critical path, and presentation prep so that you and your team are better equipped with the skills and knowledge for success. Find out how we can help you move the needle at tbot.io slash entrepreneurs. And I'm curious if there's anything else when you're evaluating whether or not someone might be a good fit for the work that you want to do with them. Are there like some red flag, green flag energy that you check for with executives when you're deciding whether or not to work with them? Yeah, there, there are two flags that come up. 
One is, are they clear with what they're saying? I think a lot of leaders want to sound good. So that doesn't mean that they need to be clear right off the bat, but in a conversation, right? Where someone says, this is our vision. And you say, hey, I don't understand X, Y, and Z, or this part didn't make sense to me. Could we dive into it? And yeah, if someone through a conversation can be really clear about what's important to the company and where they're going, I think that's that's like key. Because if someone's talking around issues all the time, and when you kind of bring up things, they, they don't really address it, it's very hard to make any progress. It's like, you know, the lack of specificity ends up being a defense towards maybe dealing with some of the difficult conversations. When at the end of the day, like the, one of the major things that happens with goal setting that makes it, I think, feel exciting to people when it does, it always feels exciting to me, but when it feels exciting to other people is that they say for the first time, oh, this is actually the thing holding us back. This is the problem. Yeah, we want to grow our business. But when you say, well, what are all the things you do to grow your business? All of a sudden, you start talking through things and someone says, hey, this is the real problem. This is why we're struggling to grow our business. And you know that transforms the conversation. People are avoiding being specific. That can be really hard. That's one thing. Uh, the other thing is around responding to feedback. And you know, you can just, this is a common interview question, right? But you can ask somebody, what do you think the weaknesses of your organization are? And if somebody doesn't know, but they're like open to it, that's I think totally fine. But if it seems like they're, they're constantly kind of like filibustering the answer there, it's like, hey, the main thing you're bringing me on to do is to make sure that you communicate the weaknesses of your organization to everybody else, because that's what goals are about. They're about overcoming the weaknesses of your organization. So those are, those are two areas. And they, they also speak to like, I think, rapport with, with the people that I'll be working with. I agree. And I, I like that, that, you know, you're asking really for people, are you going to be honest about what's happening in your organization? Are you honest with yourself about where you're not doing well? And I think I also pay attention to the language people use to describe those problems. And are they really speaking with a growth mindset or a fixed mindset? Because that's a really hard thing to change. <laughs> Naturally, I think people who are good leaders and run successful companies have a growth mindset. So I think that's usually there. But uh, that would be some yellow flag stuff for me. You know, when people are looking to hire an OKR coach, they usually already are looking for improvement. It's not like they're hiring a product manager, right? You have to be saying to yourself, hey, I believe that if we did better around goals, our company would grow better. We'd have better focus. We'd have better alignment. Like there's already a belief that people have that is usually pretty self-aware of the, the limits of both the people there and the organization where it's at today. And they're looking for help. So I, I think I come across what you brought up more in individual people on a leadership team that like feel more coachable or less coachable, uh, depending on how interested they are around expanding how they think about things and, and growing. And, you know, obviously I love having lots of opinions that are wrong and I love the disagreement that comes up there, but you want to, you know, you want to be speaking to people that are generally open to learning through a conversation or a process. Right. Yeah. I think it's like a, like a confirming thing. Like if they're reaching out to a goals coach, they probably do have a growth mindset. And if the top leadership does, then that means that there's an opportunity for other people to come along as well. So I like opening it up that way and, and getting people to get specific about their goals as well. I think that's a real challenge. Like it's either too vague or too specific, not inspiring enough. Some people still bring up smart goals with me. I like to prefer hard goals, but you probably need both. And I'm curious if you're familiar with those acronyms, I can, I can spell them out or I'm sure you've heard of both of these. 
a lot of people are familiar with the SMART goals and the specific, measurable, actionable, I forget what the R's and T's are. But then hard goals are heartfelt and more around like the big vision and something that you want to get people excited about, which is something that you said earlier, like how do you get people excited? And that some people would think of a, a corporate goal setting event as a level three fun. <laughs> so like, <laughs> how do you make it more like a two or a one? I don't know. A lot of what I, I hope I offer to folks, and I've gotten good feedback here, is that I enjoy goal setting a lot. So talking through all these problems, talking through the challenges, doing workshops, having these conversations, like whenever I'm doing that, it's my favorite thing to be doing. So I think hopefully some of my joy just rubs off of the people around me. So I do think talking to somebody who's excited about what you're talking about is, is helpful. The other thing is usually at a decently small company, under 100 people, I'm working with the CEO and the leadership team. You know, people are there because they care about the company. They care about the mission of the company, they care about the people of the company, and they care about the growth of the company. So I get why goal setting has, I think, can have a bad rap. But if you're fundamentally solving problems that people care about, there should be some like glee that comes in when people say like, oh, yeah, I thought this was going to be about like, how do we grow more? And that felt very generic to me. And it turns out when we actually think about how we grow more and we talk through what's holding back our growth... And what we can do to overcome that, and we have the top few ideas that we've all come up with, usually those feel really relieving to people. I know there's a company I'm working with now that I think is struggling to shift their target market a bit because maybe there's awareness that the target market needs to shift, but there isn't so much knowledge around the new target market. There's a lot more knowledge around the old target market. And so we're doing a bunch of research and talking to folks. And I know once we're able to say, for this target market, we need to do X. There's going to be like a huge amount of excitement and relief at the organization because people will feel like, oh, we've crossed that bridge, that bridge that we were kind of in the middle of crossing and didn't really know where the other side was. We now can see that other side and we're going there. So yeah, I think there can be a lot of excitement around this stuff when it's real and it's important work that you're doing. Right. Like it, maybe there's a good um, factor of like, how do you measure if what you've done with a company is successful? Is there a glee scale that you <laughs> used to evaluate? You know, I, 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 you know, for me, it's, it's still probably more subjective than I want it to be. You know, I'd love it to be like, well, what percentage of people's OKRs do they hit in each quarter? And when I work with them, it gets better. Uh, but I think that's a, like a pretty short-sighted view in terms of my role. Uh, so, you know, I'm looking for people who were maybe disengaged to be more engaged, people who didn't see the value of OKRs to see and be able to articulate how their daily work is different because of the OKRs we set. Yeah, and obviously there's excitement when we're solving real problems and we're changing the problems each quarter and people are seeing growth increase, you know, like all that stuff, I guess there's a, like a tangible excitement with, but I, I hope folks can like just connect the dots between the the work, which can be tedious work around goal setting and negotiating with people. And often it pulls you out of other day-to-day -day work that you're doing, especially for a small company with the excitement towards the end of the quarter of reaching these goals and moving on to the next challenge. I think that's great. I, I think that was a perfect answer. It's like, how, it's kind of not always easy to know. What, like sometimes it is just a sense of it. Like you, you have a feeling and sometimes you can get data to back that up. And other times you, you know, you're doing the right thing if, by the people's faces around you at the end of the workshop. <laughs> So I think that's great. And so maybe um, final question would be, is like, what would be the ideal organization 
that you would want to work with? Like, who's your ideal customer right now? Yeah, I guess I have two ideal customers based on these like two things that I'm doing. In terms of the OKR coaching, I usually look for CEO or founding team of a company that's now like 20 plus people who's saying, oh, we have these departments or we have this leadership team and we need to really get all on the same page at the beginning of the quarter because then everybody's going to consistently be talking to each other, but has other people that they need to organize. That's definitely for the OKR coaching, right? Like 20 to 30 people is where it starts. That probably goes up to 100 in terms of where I focus. For the other work I do as a Techstars mentor and the coaching I do through that, that's really for founding teams. And that's more focused on how do you take your vision and make that a clear goal statement, uh, which is around like behavior change usually in a certain population you're targeting. How do you turn that into a go-to-market plan? How do you turn that into a product roadmap? Yeah. So for that, that's just a, such a smaller team. I actually think that work is often needs to be done at larger organizations too. That's like a common thing that comes up and that can bleed into strategy at large organizations. But yeah, I know that's a, probably a pretty broad bucket, but groups of people that believe that focus is a key lever towards faster growth. Thank you for that. And I guess I said that was my final question, but I, I lied. I have two more questions. Can you share an anecdote from being a mentor at Techstars that you think would be interesting for our audience? I think I was struck the first time I did the mentoring. They do like a mentor madness. So it's like, you know, six companies in a row and every company, they all have different challenges, but a lot of them, it's like helping them articulate what they're doing a little bit more clearly. And often there's a question around sales and growth and maybe fundraising. So there's just like a focus in that direction. And I found that every company, even though they had kind of different questions, I was giving the same answer to, which was, I don't think your goal is clear to you or to me. And so there's this framework that I would use with each company that there was like this aha moment. And I picked this up from a person named Matt Waller, who's a book, Start at the End. Um, It's called The Behavioral Statement. And it's when population wants to motivation and they have limitations, they do behavior as measured by data. And the kind of conceptual version is, oh, you're trying to get some group of people to change their behavior. And that's only going to happen if you can tap into a motivation that happens to them as frequently as the behavior you want to change. So it's like a formalization of that. And each each group, I'd like bring up the statement. We'd work on filling it in quickly. And there was just like a clarity that would develop around what they were doing and how to orient themselves, both on the growth and marketing side and on the product development side. I guess it just struck me at how much that little framing was transformative to (laughs) accelerating both focus and alignment, but more importantly, like getting somewhere that they wanted to get to. It sounds almost like building a mental model of what you're trying to do, right? Like it was a mental model that you reference in your mind that helps you make decisions every single day. So I really appreciate that. And Uh, We are about out of time. So let me ask you, is there anything else that you would like to promote today? Sure. Looking for a couple more OKR coaching clients for the new year and just happy to chat with anybody who has questions around OKRs or goal setting for their organization. I also do personal goals coaching, uh, which is a little different from the OKR coaching that I help individual people with their goals, but it's also similar. It's a lot of like, it's a lot more like reflection and getting to know oneself and coming up with goals that are really meaningful. And then the other half of like, I think you alluded to this earlier around systems. Like how do you take a goal that's important to you and actually act every day in ways that move you towards that goal? 
So yeah, interested in talking to people about both those. I do some workshops as well. So people can reach out to me at evan at evanhammer.com. I can also put anybody on my mailing list. I do some workshops around both those things. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Evan, for joining us today. You can subscribe to the show and find notes along with a complete transcript for this episode at giantrobots.fm. If you have questions or comments, email us at hosts at giantrobots.fm, and you can find me on Twitter at Victorious G. This podcast is brought to you by ThoughtBot and produced and edited by Mandy Moore. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Did you know ThoughtBot has a referral program? If you introduce us to someone looking for a design or development partner, we will compensate you if they decide to work with us. More info on our website at tbot.io slash referral, or you can email us at referrals at thoughtbot.com with any questions. <laughs>